He was here, so, so we're starting. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Hills United Methodist Church. We are an inclusive and mission-minded congregation committed to be a place for everyone as we welcome, grow, serve, and celebrate together. Um, we're glad you're here. We hope you have made all the preparations you need to make um, with water um, and food as the storm approaches. Um, we pray for everyone that will be affected. Um, let us know if there's, if over the course of the next few days, um, if there's something you need from us. Um, but we will stay as safe as we can. Um, a few announcements. We do have a lay leadership nominations committee meeting tonight to think about leadership for 2022. Um, I, I think we'll still be able to have that. I'll keep a watch on the weather. And obviously, if there's a reason we should just stay home, we will get that out to the committee as well as for youth activities. But right now, we are planning to have all those activities this evening at 530. Um, a reminder for those of you who may love to read books to small children, we cannot go into the school at East Flora. That is elementary school in Flora that we partnership with. We can't go in to read books to the classes, but the teachers would like us to do some recordings that they can use. So if you feel so led, there's information in your bulletin. You can get in touch with Allison Jordan. She has a list of books, and you can record yourself um, and let the teachers use that as part of their classroom experience with the children at East Flora. We do have a slight update. I feel like I'm always giving you all an update about COVID procedures. Our leadership team met and decided that as the cases continue to stay in between three to 5,000 a day, as they are continuing to do, that we will change from the kind of mass request to mass required. You saw that on the door. Until further notice, we will keep a watch of those case numbers um, and adjust as needed. Parents also were sent home at Sunday school, kind of an update that if a child tests positive in the week following, like this week following Sunday, if the parent could let us know, we'll keep it confidential and we'll cancel Sunday school for that following week just to be on the safe side and resume the next week. But we will let all parents and teachers know if that happens and know about the date to resume. We will continue to have worship, um, but we'll cancel Sunday school if we need to for that reason. As always, Please take time to read through the bulletin, see what is going on in the life of our church, how you can be involved, pray over those prayer concerns, reach out to those that um, we are holding in love and care. Um, but now, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God this day.
Good morning. Please stand as we join responsively in our opening prayer. Lord, we gather in worship this day, acknowledging you as our God, our helper, and our refuge. May this new day be a song to our Creator who covers us in a blanket of mercy. We praise you with a joyful song, your salvation, in which we find peace and hope through Jesus Christ. Amen.
Be seated. Take your hymnal and turn to page 787 and join with me as we read responsively that portion of the Psalms. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Hope is from God. Alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust me. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are higher, I mean, they are together lighter than a breath. Once God has spoken, Twice I have heard this. Power belongs to God. And to you, O oh God, belongs that vast love. For you repay all. This time I'd like to invite our children forward for our children's moment. Some bright shoes. I like them. Good morning. Anybody notice anything? Is, is it empty? Yeah, you know why it's empty? We just took a load to Madcap. So we had peanut butter out there, peanut butter in here, peanut butter in the building. So we took another load to Madcap. So I'm just reminding you that remember, that's part of um, part of our children's ministry, part of what you can do to help people is every week, and when you remember, you can bring some peanut butter, put it in our basket. And then when, it, when we have enough, we take those to Madcap and they give them to people who may not have a lot of food in their pantry or in their homes. And peanut butter is something they can eat with lots of things, right? On a sandwich, with some fruit, with a spoon, however they like. Um, so we're ready for our next load to go to Madcap. Or an apple. That's right. I like it with an apple. But that's not really what we're talking about today. I just wanted to point out, um, I don't even know. I wish we'd been counting. I can't even imagine how much peanut butter that y'all have brought in, but I know it's been a lot. It's probably, you think, it's probably more than that. It's been a lot. More than 11. But today we're going to talk about a story about Samuel. You ever heard of Samuel? You ever heard the story of Samuel? Samuel? Well, he was in the temple one night, and he heard God's voice but he didn't know it was God. So let's read this story. It says, God chooses Samuel as his messenger. A young boy named Samuel lived with a priest named Eli, who taught him to love God with all his heart. But Eli's sons were wicked and did not listen to their father or to God. They did not respect what was holy and took what was not theirs. One night, while Samuel was sleeping, 
he heard a voice calling, Samuel, Samuel. So he got up and he runs to Eli. See him there with Eli at the bed? He runs to Eli and he says to Eli, here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Samuel lay down, but again he heard someone calling him. He ran to Eli, but he was told to go back to bed. Samuel, Samuel, the voice called a third time. This time, Eli understood that it was God calling Samuel. You think so? I don't know. Let's keep, let's keep reading and see. It says, if you hear the voice again, say, speak, your servant is listening. Samuel, Samuel, came the voice yet again. So Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The next day, Eli asked Samuel to tell him what God had said. Samuel was afraid to tell him, but Eli insisted, God is upset that your sons have behaved badly and plans to punish. Eli bowed his head and said, he is the Lord and will do what he knows is right. And the story of Samuel continues. So here's him as a boy, continues. Samuel becomes a prophet, and here's Samuel again as an adult, and he is anointing David, who becomes the king. So Samuel's journey started when he was a little boy, and he heard God calling, but he did not know it was God. Do you think you would know if you heard God? No? I don't, yes? I don't know. It's weird to think about. You might like, be like Ben and think, it must be a dream. But who helped Samuel? Who helped Samuel know it was God? Who was this person? Who did he go see? Eli, yes. So that's kind of what we do in the church is we help each other. We help each other see God. We help each other listen for God. And sometimes other people can see and hear God in a way that maybe we can't. Um, but just like they were there for each other, and Samuel's story continues so he can be there for somebody else later in his life. Um, that's kind of what we learn from Samuel's story, is it kind of takes all of us listening and encouraging and helping each other see and hear God. So let's fold our hands. And you can repeat after me. Dear God, let me hear you when you call. Amen. Okay, so all of our kindergartners, um, three-year-olds through kindergarten, y'all can go to extended session with Chloe Jean's mom. And the rest of you can go back to your seats. So you've probably already guessed where we're going within the life of the story of Israel, if you were listening at all to Children's Moment. So last week, we were looking at the time of the judges. Um, we talked about being a people who speak hope, naming um, some really hard places within our community and world. And I shared a little saying that um, I don't even know where I picked it up or when I heard it, but I shared a little saying um, that said, trust God but lock your car. So this is where I want to pick up today, that idea of trust. What does it mean in the life of faith to have a saying like this, even if we a little bit say jokingly, to trust God, but lock your car? 
Now, this dive-in series was one I, I laid out a few months ago, but it's interesting to me um, that saying, trust God but lock your car, it's hitting a little too close to home for us, right? As we get supplies and prepare for a hurricane, as we have leaders last week in response to COVID that, again, are just saying, oh, have faith, there's nothing to worry about, um, as we hear just about things going on in our community. Well, we've been using the story of the people of Israel to kind of help us think about these questions and discern. We began with Moses and Aaron in that great Exodus event. Last week, Deborah and Gideon with the judges. Individuals raised up to give guidance, direction, and unity to the people of Israel. So this week, as you heard in Children's Moment, we're going to look at kind of that last judge, Samuel. Samuel and his mother, Hannah. Because it is with Samuel that the people of Israel move from being a people kind of loosely connected to a nation, a people under a king. And it all begins because of the trust one mother has in God's activity within the life of her son. We're going to be skipping around in 1 Samuel today. But we're going to start at the beginning, 1 Samuel 1, beginning with verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramatham, a Zuphite from, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head." Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vows. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. The story finds its way in the lectionary, um, the lectionary rounds of scripture we read, but it's a hard story because it's a very personal story for anyone who has longed for a child. Um, and I'll be honest, um, there's a lot of stories in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, about women that are hard for me because they're so centered around childbirth, specifically a male child, as if that is all we had to offer. But I remind myself, um, part of what Scripture is, um, is it is a product of its time. Um, so we'll move on from that. For now, but this is what gets me about Hannah's story. 
a story where we focus so much on the child for which she prayed and her faithfulness. But there's a verse in this story, um, a verse we did not read, but a verse to me that is one of the saddest and yet most faithful of verses in the Bible. We hear Hannah's struggle, her despair, her sadness, um, then the joy of a son, and then we read this just a little further on from where we stopped. She says, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Um, Then this, to me, one of the most saddest and yet most faithful verses in Scripture She left him there for the Lord. She left him there. There's a weight, um, a heaviness to this um, that I feel deeply. Anyone who has ever left a screaming baby um, at a daycare as they go to work, they feel this at some level. The leaving and the walking away. But this first step, this act of faith, this act of trust, this first step uh, begins the story of Samuel's calling. And sometimes we focus so much on her receiving the child that we miss um, this part of the story. So now I want to jump over um, to Samuel's calling. Um, We heard pieces of it in the children's moment. But jumping to verse 3, Samuel, now a boy, Ministering to the Lord under Eli, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go lie down. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, go lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So Samuel serves as a judge, a prophet over Israel, leading, guiding, praying. And if you go through the book of First and Second Samuel, there is a lot, good and bad, that happens within the life of Samuel and Israel. Samuel is there when Israel asks for a king. So I want to jump ahead to this part in chapter 8. 
When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not follow in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. There's a weight to me in these verses as well, as Samuel hears from the people. Um, Samuel leading and trusting and praying all his life, giving his life to this people. And then to see his own sons not live up to their calling, as he did. To hear his own people kind of reject them, and then reject the way they had been living, reject God and ask for a king, saying, I want to be like other nations. There's a heaviness to this part in Samuel's story. But the story continues. Samuel reluctantly takes their request to God. God says, okay, give them a king. And so Samuel trusts this. Saul is chosen, anointed by Samuel as the first king of Israel. Again, if you read through this story, there is a lot that happens, good and bad. But as we jump to chapter 15, and this is the last verse I will share, it says, Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry he had made Saul king over Israel. From there, we do get to David. And David being anointed as king, and if you read that story, there's good and bad. It doesn't always go so well either. So back to that original question. What does it mean in the life of faith to have a saying like, trust God, but lock your car? What does it mean to trust God when we look at the story of Samuel, a story that begins as a mother entrusted her son to God, but a story that has so much that went wrong? Well, as I was thinking about this story, there's another story that came to mind. Y'all are getting a lot of reading today, but I promise I'm not reading this whole one. I thought of Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You'll Go. Um, This is read lots of times at graduation. Um, If you've never read it, I invite you to get the book and read all of it. But I just want to read you two places. So it begins, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the guy who'll decide where you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang, and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be the best of the best. Wherever you go... You will top all the rest, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch, and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. The story continues, and we get back to, oh, the places you'll go. There's fun to be done. There are points to be scored. There are games to be won. And the magical things you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame. You'll be famous as famous can be with the whole wide world watching you win on TV. Except when they don't. Because sometimes 
they won't. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too, games you can't win because you'll play against you. I thought of this story as I was reading through the story of Samuel, because this is what we get with the story of Hannah and Samuel. We get life, the ups and downs, the twists and the turns, the changes that take place. We get life. And two people who trusted with all that they are that their God would be in the midst of it. A mother who left her son with the Lord, trusting, believing that, oh, the places he will go, except when he doesn't. But no matter, even then, God goes with him. And that first act of faith and trust was the next step in the story of the people of Israel, the story that leads to Jesus, the story that gives us Emmanuel, God with us. Now, as we think about this trust, trusting in God, um, the truth is it isn't all about myself and God. It isn't just between us and God. The trust that God envisions has a communal aspect, too. Leonard Sweet, um, in one of his works, well, he talks about the despair he feels because of the lack of trust he sees in the world. So he gives these ten commandments of trust, and I'm not going to recite them all for you, but there's a few things he says that stuck out to me. He says, trust in the life of faith means this. We are not in control. We've never been in control. We will never be in control. We should never be in control. We don't make the sun come up. We don't make the sun go down. We don't make our heart beat. We don't make our blood circulate. We're not in control. So Sweet says, and what we're really saying with trust is this. There is a God, and we are not it. He continues by saying, in faith, we trust that whether we are flying high or falling low, we trust that God hears, God cares, and God is able. And that if we trust this, um, there's a second part to that. Before I get there, um, you know, there's a couple questions I've been asking us to hold and reflect on as we go through this series. And one of them was, how are we being called to be church in this season? We can be a people who speak a blessing, people who speak hope, the two things we've talked about the past week. But to me, um, in a world where trust runs short, Sweet says as part of his Ten Commandments of Trust, we can be a people who foster trust. And he asks us to think about this. Can we be trusted? Counted on? Do we aid the world in trust, or do we make it harder? Do we make it easier for people to trust in God, or do we make it harder? And he says his last trust commandment that kind of wraps it all up is this. Thou shalt always tell the truth, for there is no bigger roadblock to trust than deceit. One of the simplest and yet harder, most difficult, he says, of all the commandments. I do think um, we're living in a moment in history, and there may have been one before, but we're living in a moment in history when truth is being twisted, when truth is being challenged, when facts are being challenged. 
Um, So his question, do we aid the world in trust or make it harder? I think it's a pretty important one for the church to hold and think about in this season. Because we have a story of faith grounded in trust. And it's a story that shapes who we are in the world and how we are in the world. A story we pass on by the way we live in the world and by the way we encounter the other. By the way we love God and neighbor. A story, as I have said before, that doesn't offer us simplistic quick fixes or false promises or easy answers, but this complicated drama that unfolds within the relationship of God and how God chooses to be in relationship with God's people. A relationship of trust. John Bloomquist, um, she's a writer about the spiritual life. Well, she has this work called Wrestling Till Dawn. And in it, she says this, I find it difficult to define faith. Yet over the years, I have come to hold that perhaps at its most basic, Faith is living in trust that there is something beyond my own understanding, something larger of which I am a part. This something beyond helps me bring order, significance, and purpose to my life. Last week we said, um, there's good news still worth repeating. Um, Our gospel today, our good news is that we believe in a God we can trust and who trusts in us. But yes, we still lock our car. We still go by the water and the bread and the things. I think it, what, what we can most simply do is lift this prayer um, from Les Mis. God on high, hear my prayer. In my need, you have always been there. Amen. Um, There is a lot uh, to hold within the life of our church and people within our church family. There's a lot to hold as Hurricane Ida approaches. There's a lot to hold with our hospitals and medical professionals. Um, A lot to hold even as we think about a um, six-year-old in Canton sitting in his car and being shot as someone drove by. So I hope, um, as Ellen plays, that you will use this time to kind of reflect on what we have heard, um, what we know is truth from God's story, and use this time as just a prayer time for you to be in the presence of God.
Thank you, Ellen. I invite you to grab your bulletin um, and let us lift this response to the word, our affirmation of faith, the one we lifted last week. Um, let us say these words together. I believe in the living God who is directly involved in the affairs of the world. I believe that God chooses the meek and the poor to shame the proud and the rich. I believe in the incarnate word, leaping in a woman's womb, cradled in poverty. I believe in Jesus, the true son of Mary, true son of God, who came among us in weakness, that we might come to know the profound strength available to common people who turn to God in trust and with love. Yes, my friends, this I truly believe. Let us pray. God, we come to you today trusting in your presence in this place. And we begin with a word of confession. You are a God who formed our inward parts and knows our hearts. And we ask that you forgive us. Because instead of acknowledging you as our God, we make our own idols. Instead of proclaiming Jesus Christ as our Lord, we find it easy to proclaim ourselves. Instead of turning to the Holy Spirit, we attempt to attain your way in our own understanding. Redirect our wrong ways. Help us to be a people who foster trust, who speak truth, and lead us into the ways that make Jesus visible in our lives. For you are a God who brings us mornings and beginnings. May you touch our heart to hear your call today. Grant us faith to rely on your extraordinary power in us. May our hearts and minds be like the young boy Samuel, who didn't know the Lord, yet earnestly waited to hear your word. God of mercy, we humbly ask that you hear us as we lift up our prayers as a community of faith. For you are God of Sabbath. You desire to give us rest. Hear the groaning of those to whom rest is unimaginable because their safety is constantly threatened and they are impoverished of their basic needs. Hear the sound of those to whom rest is a reality far away because their hearts are broken with loss, grief, and pain. And their minds and body have grown weary with illness and heavy burdens. Stir us to heed your call as a church and as leaders, as individuals and as those who are in authority. May we not be troubled by the mountains and the waves of the struggles before us, but may we trust in your extraordinary power. As we wait and press forward for the day when rest is assured with justice, healing, and love, grant us a peace this world cannot give, but can be found only through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we stand for our closing hymn, I just remind you, um, again, around us are posters and descriptions of the small groups. Um, some still meetings via Zoom, some here, but take time to read through those, mark your calendars, pray for those groups, as well as check out our clipboards in the back um, of various ways that you can be involved in the mission and ministry at Parkway Hills. As those begin to fill up, we'll start to put things back into place as we cautiously continue to move forward. Um, and a reminder, um, we will not pass the offering plates, but our offering basket is in the back. Um, if you could give your gifts, your tithes, your offerings, so that we can continue to be a place that speaks blessings, that speaks hope, um, and that offers a spirit of trust in our own community and world. Let us now stand and sing together number 462, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. check in and make sure we all are well and see how we can be present one for another in the coming days. 
Um, but now, receive this benediction. God on high, hear our prayer. In our need, you have always been there. Let us go forth to love and serve our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for worship. If you're looking for a safe place to explore faith, or if you'd just like to learn more about this community of faith, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to any member of our staff with prayer requests, needs, or questions, or just to find out how to join our church family. Now, may the love of God surround you. May the love of God uplift you. May the love of God stand with you through the challenges ahead. May the love of God convince you in every situation to love. Go now to love others, even as Christ loves you. Amen.